The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Yana Woodhouse is a Melbourne-based home birth, newborn and maternity photographer. Her work captures the beauty of birth and pregnancy and the magic of fresh babies earthside. In this episode, Yana has joined me to share the stories of her own three births. Her first birth was through the caseload midwifery program at Casey Hospital. For her second birth, she went under the care of a private obstetrician. And for her third pregnancy, she birthed it at home with a private midwife. This is a longer but really beautiful episode with a lot in it. So I definitely recommend sticking through to the end. And you can find some amazing photos from Yana's pregnancy and birth on my website, which is www.keepbirthwild.com. Um, and there's a few photos on Instagram as well. Hi, Jana. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to chat to you. How are you today? I'm good, Indy. Thank you for having me. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family, um, maybe whereabouts you're living right now? And I think you're in lockdown mm. as well. So if you want to share how that's been for your family, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Um, so I live in <clears throat> Beaconsfield, Officer. Um, I've got uh, three children. Um, married to my high school sweetheart Um, and yeah we've had three beautiful children together I've got two girls Olive and Zipporah or Zippy as she's known um, and a little boy Silas who's six months old and yes we're in the throes of what I like to call lockdown 572 Um, (laughs) But, yeah, we're managing okay. I think we're in the fortunate situation where my husband, being a teacher, is still able to work and just trying to focus on the positives despite the madness. Well, we're going to briefly go through your first two births, which were hospital births, I believe, and then um, focus on Silas's mm-hmm. home birth. Um, but would yeah. you like to share first what it was like coming to, to a decision to start a family and um, how you were feeling when that time? Um, you were getting ready to conceive the first time around? Yeah. Um, so our <laughs> our little Olive, um, so we got married in this, at this January 2014 and we always said that, um, you know, we didn't necessarily want to, like after getting married, we always knew that we wanted to have babies and, you know, start a family and I didn't feel quite quite ready um, to, to have babies. I wanted to do a little bit more travel 
first and we had just been we had done a stint over in WA we lived in Perth for three years we always said that we as much as we loved the WA lifestyle and the warm weather and the beach and beach lifestyle and how laid back it was over there and we wanted to raise a family with grandparents close by um that was just something that was important to both of us and so we um yeah we we came back and we we got married and then we um we went on a trip to Hawaii um a year later and um which is where our little olive was conceived <laughs> so um some friends of mine joke that I came back with excess baggage <laughs> so, um yeah and it wasn't um I guess we were you know, like not like actively trying, but um, I kind of went in with the mindset of like a falling pregnant that I would um, maybe have a like a hard time falling pregnant or I don't know why. I don't know why I had those, you know, that, that mindset, that frame of mind, but because um, my mum had three miscarriages um, and so I just kind of went in thinking, well, maybe it's going to be, you know, hard to fall pregnant or stay pregnant and so when I came back from Hawaii and um, it was a few days, sorry, it was a couple of weeks after we got back and I just felt really different. Um, I was like, my like breasts were really sore and um, I just, it just, yeah, I just felt different. I don't know how to describe it. It's just in my body. And um, it occurred to me, maybe I should take a pregnancy test and, um yeah, and there, there she was. <laughs> um, and did you have much idea going into that first pregnancy about your options for care um, for the pregnancy and birth or, yeah, how did you come to find the care provider at that time? Um, yes and no. I think like a lot of people going into their first pregnancy, um, I guess I was a little bit kind of like, you know, I guess I'm just going to birth this birth, have my baby at the hospital that we lived really close to. Um, but I'm um, I'm also very um, holistic when it comes to, um, you know, health. Um, I'm very alternative when it comes to health. So I, um, I you know, I had girlfriends that were reading, oh, what's that book, The Cat? Up the Duff, I think it is Up the Duff. Oh, yeah, Cass Cook. <laughs> that I read a few pages of that and I just cringed. I um, yeah, it just that wasn't it didn't align with me at all. And um, in the back of my mind, I thought, geez, I would love to birth at home, but I was very much like, this is my first baby, and I guess I had a little bit of um, fear. Um, yes, very much could say I had a little bit of fear with the, like the unknown of, you know, what labour and birth um, was going to be like. And um, I, yeah, took myself to the GP and um, I, really, I couldn't believe at the time that I was pregnant. And I went in, I said, I've peed on a stick and it's got two lines and I just want to know, am I pregnant? Like I was already outsourcing like, you know, like wanting that, like outsourcing, you know, the um, someone to tell me 
like what to do. Um, and I can reflect back on that now. I'm like, oh, man, like what was I thinking? But you know, it was the first time. And um, and she's like, oh, two lines. Well, then, yeah, you're definitely pregnant. <laughs> and um, she laughed at me. And, yeah, she basically said these are your care options, like shared care, obstetric care. Um, and she said, oh, you've got the benefit of um, being close to Casey Hospital who do a midwife-led program and it's called Caseload. <clears throat> when she said that, I kind of all just went, yes, that's that's um, exactly what I would like. I'd like to have this my own midwife, the same midwife that does that continuity of care. So that was really important to me. Um, and just briefly, would you like to um, just take us through that pregnancy and birth um, mm-hmm. through the case in the program? Like it wasn't without its challenges. I did have um, some morning sickness. Um, in saying that, comparing it to my second pregnancy's morning sickness, it was a lot um, easier. Um, I was sick quite a few times and I, I found it challenging as I was working full-time as a teacher, so having to get up um, in the morning and go to work and stand up in front of a classroom when you're feeling queasy. And I remember one day I stood up in the classroom and literally did not want to leave the bin, um, like have the bin by my side because I was just so worried that I was about to um, to be sick. <laughs> um, but I wasn't, you know, severely sick. I wasn't, you know, hospitalised or anything. It was like um, severe vomiting. And, yeah, come 12 weeks, I, um, yeah, turned the corner and felt great. And um, I actually re- I had a really smooth rest of the pregnancy up until the very end. I really enjoyed um, just, you know, growing, growing a little human. I felt so, so blessed. Yeah, but I went in at 38 weeks um, for a checkup and they checked my blood pressure and it was just a little bit higher than... They, oh, the alarm bells went off for them. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy high, but it was a level that they weren't happy with. And so they said, um, we just want you to, you know, watch out for these symptoms of um, preeclampsia. Go home and come back in two days um, for another check. So, and they were pretty stern on the, you need to just rest and, um, and my hubby got a sense that, you know, they were telling me to come back with a bag. <laughs> um, so I went back in and uh, nothing, it was, my blood pressure was still, it had crept up a little bit more. Um, and then they started talking induction to me. And that was like, that was when everything just came crashing down for me because I was very much like, you know, I wanted this baby to be born naturally with minimal, um, if any, intervention and my midwife was a really big, you know, advocate for that and all of a sudden that felt like that wasn't going to happen. And so, yeah, they started talking induction and I had to stay in for some monitoring. And unfortunately my midwife had been in for a 12-hour shift that day and um, wasn't. She had to hand over my care to another midwife um, and then like an OB who was going to oversee everything. So, again, I was just heartbroken and 
um, yeah, so stressed out of my mind and like, you know, how, how is it that my pregnancy went so well and very last minute this happens and I was asking a lot of questions, um, more just like, you know, you know, like internally like why and um, but I was also asking them a lot of questions um, like, you know, what, what if I did nothing and um, what if I don't go ahead with this and so, yes, I was um, monitored for a little while and then I asked if I could go home because um, just for a few hours because I just wanted um, some space to clear my head um, and I, I didn't have any bags packed. Um, I wasn't – I kind of went in thinking that I would be still pregnant at like 40, 41 weeks. I don't know why, but um, like I didn't prepare any freezer meals or um, I didn't have my bags packed. Yes, yeah, so I needed some space to, to clear my head and just kind of let sink in what was happening and what was going to happen. So I went home and this kind of just, yeah, I remember sitting on the bed just closing my eyes and just going to myself, I just, I do need to just surrender a little bit to the situation and I do know that preeclampsia can get... Um, um, pretty severe and what the implications of that can, can, you know, cascade to, and it's not great. OB said that we're going to, so I went back at, no, I think around dinner time, six, seven o'clock. And they said, we're going to do some monitoring. Um, and then you need to get some rest and we're going to start induction at six or 7am in the morning. So I, um, yeah, I remember I went back to the hospital and I took my Ina May Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth with me and I hadn't finished reading that. So I remember sitting there with hubby who um, was having dinner and I was reading through um, the section on um, on induction <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, kind of just trying to hype myself up for, you know, what was to come. And also, oh, my gosh, like, she, you know, see she's mentions in there, like um, what can happen with um, synthetic, um, like syntocin, pintocin, um, which is what they were, they were going to do. And, um, and I just, yeah, I, again, I was just surrendering to what was, what was going to come and also knew that, you know, my, I could, also telling myself that I could do this and um, it's all going to be okay and, um, you know, talking talking to baby, saying we've got this. And um, I fell asleep and I woke at 2 o'clock in the morning to very uncomfortable cramping and um, I buzzed the midwife and um, she's like, oh, yeah, she's like, you know, it's just normal She's like, you know, end of pregnancy feelings. I was like, okay. I said, but I can't, like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I can't just rest and lie down. She's like, oh, well, you're going to need to. And um, she was as a night duty midwife. She wasn't in my midwife. My midwife wasn't able to be in because she had to go home given that she'd worked 12 hours prior. And I kind of just thought, oh, okay. Um, and I had a room to myself, which I was really stoked with and it was quite a spacious room and I just um I turned the light off 
she left, the midwife left, and I turned the light off and um, I had created a, um, a playlist for, for labour um, and I put my earphones in and I just kind of sat, on the, sat upright on the bed and this cramping just kind of started to get like, like intensify a little bit and it kind of just then clicked to me, am I like going into labour? Yeah, another hour or so and I'm just in my dark room and listening to my music and I was starting to have to like heavy breathe through these contractions. And I remember buzzing the midwife again and um, she came in and she had a feel and um, she said, oh, yeah, like it could be, but I was standing by at this stage. I couldn't sit still anymore. I was um, quite uncomfortable and yeah, another couple of hours and I took myself to the shower because I had quite a lot of pain in my back um, and I just put the hot shower on me and was just breathing through them and um, I was also kind of in a bit of shock that, you know, like five hours prior to this I was like, you know, holding my belly and saying, you know, you've got this amount of time, baby, maybe you've got time to... to to do this on your own and we can do this kind of thing. And then it actually happened. <laughs> um, mm. So, yeah, so after Pete got there um, and saw that, you know, like I was obviously in labour and then a midwife followed him in and she kind of walked in and she goes, oh, looks like you're in labour. And I just kind of rolled my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> um, she's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll, get you out of the shower and we'll get you down to the, the birthing room, birthing suite. And I just went, what? Like I've got to walk, <laughs> walk down the hallway in the state that I was in. And um, oh, I just felt so, so vulnerable. Um, it was the longest walk down the hallway and I got there and um, I was well and truly into, into labour. These contractions were coming in so intensely and powerfully and um so I got to the birth suite and then um a midwife another midwife came at me with the drip so she was putting the IV wanted to put the IV in and I remember just looking at her going why why do I need this I'm in labor and she said yeah but we just need to we she basically said we need to speed things up again a bit and get this baby out and I remember just like I think I must have just given her just a like a death stare and I said, no, I don't need this. And she looked at me and she said, well, we can give you maybe 30 minutes and we'll see what happens. And, um, and took myself off to the bathroom and I sat on the toilet and I called Pete in and, um, you know, I had quite a, few more contractions and I, I called him in and I said, I feel like I need to push. And um, he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, he got one of the midwives and the midwife had said to me when I was walking down to the birth suite, she's like, oh, you'll probably have a baby by lunchtime. And I remember looking at the time, it was like eight in the morning and I said to Pete, oh, I don't know how much longer I can do this for. And that was like there was definitely some doubt going in my mind that I'm going to need something, but I couldn't word it because I was just, again, in between two 
two worlds. And I remember looking at the gas on the wall saying maybe that's what I need or just something like just looking around and also trying to keep my eyes closed and be in the dark, my dark space. And, um, but yeah, I, remember sitting, I was sitting on the toilet and I said, I need to push. And the midwife kind of came in. She's like, mm, um, maybe. She's like, I'll go get my torch because it was dark in there. And she got a torch, came back, and she goes, oh, you need to push. And again, I remember just shaking my head going, why is no one listening to me? And um, I got up from the toilet and um, 20 minutes later I had a little girl in my arms and she was little. She was um, two point. We didn't know that we were having a girl. I was adamant that I was pregnant with a boy. So it was a huge surprise to have a little, little lady baby in my arms she was little. She was 2.6 kilos and they were putting that to down to um, like she was like, oh, what was she, 10th percentile I think, but um, they were putting that down to see the preeclampsia and my placenta that had um, started to deteriorate. They reckon maybe at like yeah. 36, 37 weeks, um, but I don't, I don't know how they know that. And how did you, I, I mean, for considering the circumstances, it was a, I mean, yeah, like a, a great outcome. You sort of got the birth that you wanted despite all mm. of the, the way that it was managed by the hospital. But, yeah, how did you feel when you emerged from that birth? Yeah, exactly that. I was happy that I, that you know, I managed to birth her on my own and that I, really stood my ground with with that, that midwife that wanted to hook me up to the drip. But I also walked away from that birth still traumatised from the experience that um, no one, no one, none of the medical staff there were, you know, like were listening to me and tuning in to me and just like they all just wanted to intervene. And um, I, I wasn't okay with that. Yeah, I had a natural birth, but I still walked away from it. Um, Coming into your second birth, did you opt to go with the same care provider again? No, I didn't. I was very much like I'm not going back to that hospital. <laughs> um, but in saying that, I um, I ended up choosing to go under the care of um, an OB, which um, – you know, like people kind of, oh, really? Like you've gone the complete other way. But um, I found an obstetrician that um, is very, he had very low intervention rates, very um, holistic approach to um, to caring for, you know, birthing women. And the his philosophy was he would, would not intervene unless absolutely necessary. And... Um, I got put in touch with him from another private midwife who, um, like when I fell pregnant, I thought maybe maybe I could home birth, but again, I had this fear of um, I took that fear of something going wrong at the end of my pregnancy, and I didn't want to plan for a home birth um, and then have that taken away from me if something was to go wrong again at 38, 39 weeks. Yeah. How did you find the care through the OB um, during your pregnancy? 
So I found found this OB and I walked into his office and he, like, just didn't – I walked in and he closed his laptop and he said to me, just tell me about you. And I just felt a lot of warmth from him. Um, he had seven children himself and I just was like, wow. Um, and – he basically just said to me, he's just like, well, you, you know, you don't have, have to do those scans if you don't want to do those scans. Um, he said, you know, sometimes it is too good, good to check in on the growth of your baby, given that you had a smallish baby. He said, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a small baby again. And he said, and he spoke to me about like, you know, preeclampsia, he says it can be common in first pregnancies. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get preeclampsia again. And, um, he said, you know, if you're happy, I'm happy just to, you know, check in at 36, 37 weeks um, to, and obviously monitor your blood pressure. And um, he said, but you don't, you know, you don't have to. He says it's for your peace of mind, um, but you don't have to. And I kind of went, okay, like this is not what, like he was not a stereotypical obstetrician. Um, and I kind of went, hmm, maybe like, having him do my care won't be such a bad idea. Um, and I said to him, well, what's going to happen? What happens if uh, my blood pressure starts creeping up at, towards the end of the pregnancy? And he said, well, we can talk about that if that happens. And I said, well, I just want to know, like, I want to know, I want to go in knowing what's, you know, what's going to happen. And I feel like now that, he felt like it wasn't going to happen and he just, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, there was just something in him that he really truly believed that um, it wasn't going to happen and, um, like, I can, do you want me just to cut quickly to the Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. It was, I was actually, the first trimester I was actually really um, a lot sicker than I was with the first and, again, it was 12 weeks of, um, I think I vomit. I probably I vomited almost every day for two months, um, and again the tiredness and that was a lot harder because I had a um, I had a toddler. Um, but come twelve weeks, um, I was I felt really good and I got my energy back, and I had a textbook pregnancy from then on. It was um, like I de- like you know just the usual aches and pains that come with pregnancy. The third trimester was definitely hard with a toddler, um, but I got to 38 weeks and um, I went in for an appointment and all was fine. And um, I was I was very much kind of I don't know again I was expecting things to go wrong, mm-hmm. and. Um, I was walking away from the appointments going, oh, okay, like all is well. And he was so reassuring at the end of each appointment. Like, he, you know, he had to give me a pep talk at the end of each appointment and say, like, he was talking through with me those fears, like, you know, and he's like, we've checked your blood pressure. You're looking great. You're fine. He's like, you need to listen, listen to your body, like what what's telling you. And um, I um, went into labour at home at 39.2 and um, I laboured at home. So, I was, sorry, I was booked in for 
this isn't Monash. Yeah. And um, sorry, I didn't mention that. Mm. Um, he was he was through Monash yeah. in Clayton. Um, and I laboured at home and um, hubby was, he was teaching and I remember messaging him saying, oh, I'm feeling a bit crampy again, similar to, you know, I remembered that feeling. And um, he was already on his way home from, like, um, from work anyway. And um, he got home and he had a Cairo appointment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you go. And I'd had, like, you know, I had a heat pack on me and I had gone for a big walk that day with my toddler. So it was no wonder that, you know, I was feeling how I was feeling. <laughs> and um, I said, you go to the appointment. And while he was at the appointment, things kind of got a bit more intense and I started um, timing the contractions and it came up with, you need to go to the hospital now. And I was like, oh, I think I do. <laughs> and then I remember having a couple more that were a bit more intense and I messaged him and I said, well, you might need to come home now. <laughs> he just laughed. He laughed and anyway, we um, got, he got home and I called my mum because she was going to stay stay with my, my little Olive and um, it was just a really different experience to my first. Everything was just so, like, it just flowed so nicely in that, like, I went into labour at home and I just kind of was really active, walking around. I was sitting on a Fitball. I had Olive holding a heat pack on my back. And Pete got home. My mum came and... I still hadn't finished packing my bag. I was still packing my bag while I was contracting. I'm just not a bag packer. <laughs> and, um, putting things together and we got in the car and I was I had to really like psych myself up for the car trip because it's a 30, 25, 30 minute trip to the hospital. And um, I remember driving down the freeway and thinking like it was the most beautiful sunset. So it was like, 8 o'clock, still daylight savings, and it was the most beautiful sunset. And I remember Pete looking at me, going, "We're about to have a baby," and it was there was just a lot of excitement. Um, and I, yeah, got like the car trip was definitely uncomfortable. I remember sitting at the traffic lights, just going, like, just wanting this traffic light to hurry up and go green. Um, and we got to the hospital and the ladies at the desk, you know, pointed us in the direction of the maternity ward and like, good luck. Mm -hmm. And everyone was just smiling and happy. And, um, I got up there and, um, you know, I just, they, they want the midwife. It was a young midwife wanted to check me and, I wanted to know, like I wanted to know um, how far along I was and she was very much like, I don't have to check you, it is entirely up to you. Um, she said because you, oh, like Olive's birth all up was six hours from start to finish, she said because you laboured pretty quickly for a first baby, um, she said I'm, I'd be hesitant to send you home. And I sort of thought, oh, okay, does she think I'm not really that far along? But I sort of said, no, 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 I want to know. And um, she checked me and um, I was four centimetres. And she sort of said, 
again, I'm, I'm hesitant to send you home given how quickly your labour progressed with your first. She said, but you're more than welcome to like, you know, stay um, and go for like a walk. Um, and she said, or you can go to the birthing room and just, you know, act labour actively in there. And I chose to do that because it was night time. It was a bit cold outside. And, um, yeah, I went into the um, – into the birth room and I had discussed with the OB about having a water birth, which he was very much um, happy for me to do. Um, he was very, yeah, very big advocate for water birth too. So, um, mate, I, I don't know, they obviously write notes in their system about, um, you know, their patients because he'd obviously written a lot of notes and the midwives knew exactly what I wanted and they knew exactly to be um, hands-off and let me labour um, how I wanted to, to labour and only check in every so often with the, with the Doppler. Like I had stated all of this to my OB. I said, this is what I want. Can you, can you support this? And he was very much happy to. Um, and he never actually came for, the, came for the birth, which he didn't need to be. So they filled the bath up for me and, um, again, I had like the heat pack. I was sitting on the Fitball. I had my beautiful oils just, you know, inhaling them through through the contractions. And this time I wanted Pete to be massaging me. I wanted him to be hands-on and um, it was just the complete opposite to Olive's birth. And I had a birth photographer there and um, and then my wife then kind of after a couple of hours said to me, hmm, obviously looking – at me and tuning in with me said, oh, I think you might want to get into the birth pool um, soon. And, um, yeah, I felt very much like I needed to. So I climbed into the birth pool and, oh, it was such a relief to get in. I was worried that I was like, well, if I get into the birth pool, will things slow down? Because I have heard that before. Um, And I've actually, as a birth photographer, I've seen that, seen that happen. Um, but no, I was very much towards the end of, of the labor and meeting, meeting my second baby. And, um, I just, yeah, I was gripping onto Pete's hand in the pool and then the, um, couple of, yeah, almighty pushes. She was a big baby. Mm. Um, I really had to roar her out and I really had to, bear down and push um and I now know why because um she was a four just over four kilos um another baby girl Mm. um yeah and um again we didn't find out what we were having um so yeah two beautiful girls (laughs) um and yeah I went from a 2.6 kilo baby to a four kilo baby and um I just remember being in that birth pool just in so much shock at how smooth things went Um, and just I was like Pete was crying, I was crying. I remember um, Coldplay, she was born to a Coldplay song (laughs) and um, it was just so, it was beautiful and there was, yeah, the midwife that I had that night um, just I feel like just the stars aligned for me that night. Um, 
she was very much a like you know hands off um, midwife, and she left me to my own accord, which was what I wanted. Just checked in when she need like you know when she felt that she needed to, and and I was okay with that, you know. And I remember looking at her a couple of times during the labour, going, "Is everything okay?" And she just nodded and smiled, and that was really all I wanted and all I needed. She knew that I was capable, and I did tear. Um, but I didn't, I chose not to, um, have any stitches. So, um, which my OB was, yeah, he said, it's entirely up to you. He said, it's, it was a barely a second degree. He said it was borderline. He said it will heal, um, fine without being stitched up. Um, which I kind of went, yes, that's, I I don't want that. I was, yeah, (laughs) again, I've seen, I've seen women being stitched up before and it's not a nice um, experience and I knew myself that I was, yeah, I thought my body can heal heal it on its own. So, And um, just because I think I'm going to get people asking, um, do, would you like to share the name of this um, magical obstetrician? <laughs> <laughs> Saul Cohen. He's in uh, Elston Week, Dr Saul Cohen. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, he sounds fantastic. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, really beautiful what you were saying about how you felt that all of the other staff had sort of read the notes and and were acting on that and that you didn't even, you know, like that that prior work you'd done was all being put into place and you didn't need to advocate for yourself in the same way um, this time mm-hmm. around, which is so important. Yeah, yeah. Saul got there just after I had her. So obviously, like, because it was pretty quick. Like all up, it was, you know, like five from when I got to the hospital, um, she was there and within three hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, she came within three hours and I I, yeah, I don't think that the hospital staff like called him with enough time, but that was fine. Like he didn't need to be there overseeing everything. Like I, um, yeah, I mean... I was just stoked with the, you know, again, the continuity of care that I got for him and knowing that he was supporting my decisions yeah. was what I, that's what I needed and that's what I wanted. And, yeah, he came in after and, he, you know, saw I was just, you know, I was already up on the bed. I got out of the water and he I was, like, saw that everything was under control and he, um, I spoke to him about the um, having a natural third stage the placenta and um, I really didn't want the the um, synthetic um, jab to get the placenta out um, and he said, oh, you know, he spoke to me about the hospital policy and he said I think it's, you know, an hour max. Um, but they let me go I think almost two and, um, yeah, I wasn't able to birth the placenta naturally and I was a bit gutted by that. I tried everything um, and I was really stoked that they let me go in another hour. Um, I reckon I could have done it had they let me go longer and then they, you know, there was another midwife that came in. It wasn't the one that I had throughout the labour. Um, she started talking, you know, this can happen, this can happen and I think I was very much just in this beautiful bubble of this baby, beautiful big baby on me and shock it how well that it went that I was kind of just like okay just let's just have I'll have the um syntocin for the um the placenta delivery 
you've gone with um, you've gone with two different models of care and had a really positive experience that second time around with the OB. Um, what kind of what led you to choose a home birth the next time around? It's so funny because we weren't again we weren't um, actively trying. He was a little bit of a surprise, and surprise in that I was five days late for my period that it clicked. It didn't. It took five days for me to click. Oh my goodness, am I pregnant? And yeah, sure enough, I remember springing up out of bed one morning, going, "Why has my period not come?" Because um, I tracked my cycles and and I went, oh my gosh, am I pregnant? <laughs> I ran. I had a um, it was expired pregnancy test in my cupboard. Still worked. I actually went and got another one just to make sure <laughs> um, and tested. And um, sure enough, I was pregnant. And um, at that moment. I, in my head and in my heart, I said to myself, this baby's going to be born at home. I just, there was just something, there was an energy that just came to me and I just knew that this baby was going to be born at home. And um, like I've always, I did a lot of um, reading as well, like after both Olive and Zippy's birth about um, birthing at home. So, yeah. That, that very day that I found out that I was pregnant, I remember like I went out, <laughs> showed my hubby in the pregnancy stick and I remember just, yeah, having these really big like just feelings of um, this baby was going to born right under the roof of this house. How did you go about finding a midwife or a care provider to support you at home? So I was unsure of how, like who, who I wanted to um, – uh, like have as my care provider um, and then at six weeks so not long after I found out that I was pregnant I actually had a bit of a scare um, I had some bleeding and um, I didn't have this with the two girls so this was very different and I assumed the worst um, and I yeah I just assumed it wasn't meant to be and that I was you know having a miscarriage and I called up um, Saul and um, I said, you know, I'd found out I was pregnant but I'm having some bleeding. And he said, why don't you come in um, and I can do an ultrasound for you. He said, that's the only way that we're going to know um, for sure. And, um, yeah, I've basically, I was feeling pretty heartbroken. Um, but also, you know, this was, this was Mother Nature and, um, and I went in and he did a scan and he said, oh, I can't, it's like, I can see a sack, but there's nothing in it. And, um, I, you know, I just kind of went with, okay. And he said, yeah, he goes, there's nothing, like, there's nothing there. And he meant, spoke about like a, a blighted ovum. Again, I went away, I Googled this, um, so I didn't know what that was and, um, and then okay, like you know, wasn't meant to be, and and he gave me three options with how to how to manage um, a miscarriage, and I chose the option of doing going naturally, and um, so I went home, and there was lots of tears, lots of tears. Um, I remember just walking home and just fell into my hubby's arms and just cried, and um, 
And, yeah, for two weeks I sat. I didn't want to leave the house because I was so scared of, like, what if I'm at the supermarket and I just, you know, bleed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, I waited and I did, I did have small bleeding but it wasn't a lot and I kind of just, I don't know, like from friends that have experienced miscarriages and have shared their stories with me, it just, um, you know, I was told that there was going to be, that would be a bit of blood more than what I was experiencing anyway. And after two weeks, I, I phoned up Saul and I said, well, I don't, I, I am still bleeding, but it's not a, like, it's not a lot of blood. And um, he said, well, okay. He goes, you can either come in or you can go to your, your local, um, like Monash ultrasound, like for women's, which is quite, it's closer to me than his um, clinic. Um, so why don't you book in there for a full pelvic ultrasound? So um, in that, that two weeks, like I had, you know, glasses of wine, I was eating all my soft cheese and I went in to this ultrasound and it was during, when was it? We were in between the lockdown one and two, so they were still really strict on, um, you know, I could only go in by myself, which I was like, I was livid by because I was like, how women that, you know, I meant to walk into these clinics with bad news and they're just they've got no support person and anyway I went in and a lady did the ultrasound and she brings up on the screen she goes oh look there's a heartbeat (laughs) I burst into tears and um because I just just like I didn't expect to to be pregnant I was waiting for a, a miscarriage to happen like I just thought it was you know it wasn't meant to be so there was no words that could come out of my mouth. I was crying and um, the, the sonographer was so great. She's like, oh, you know, do you want to FaceTime your, your hubby in? And I was like, no, I just want to just go sit in the car and just sit with this for a, like a few minutes And um, because the last, the last two weeks have been, you know, really challenging and, and now it's the other end of the spectrum with all the, you know, how I'm feeling and, um so I came home and um, the look on my hubby's face when I told him there's a heartbeat, still pregnant. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was still a lot of anxiety because I, I bled for the third up until 12 weeks. Um, and I found out on that ultrasound that it was from a subchorionic hematoma, which I didn't know was common. And I was told that they either bleed out or they just dissolve and they just they go away eventually. Um, it's just like it was a little blood clot that was sat next to the placenta where the placenta had attached, and it was just slowly coming out, like slowly leaving my body, mm. and that was what the blood was. So mm. Saul said to me, he said, "I can give you reassurance if you would like to come in for um, an ultrasound just to check." Um, and I did. I took that. Um, I took him up on that so I did have two or three more ultrasounds because there was one day where I bled a little bit more and I was like oh it was so just thinking about it now um yeah just my shoulders are tensing up (laughs) just thinking about it um and then the bleeding stopped at 12 weeks and um 
that was when I sort of felt like, okay, I feel a little bit more relaxed now about it. All was fine. Now I want to start thinking about my care provider for this baby that's going to be born at home. Mm. And I had spoken to Saul about that. So he knew that I wasn't going to go with him Mm. and he was totally fine with that. And he actually gave me some names of private midwives. Um, But at 10 weeks, I, um, I had, I had a girlfriend who had um, hired this um, midwife for her second baby and um, I followed her on Instagram and I was really, I really aligned with um, how she practised her, um, her care and just her, her views and her philosophy on, on birth and um, not just birth but um, prenatal care um, and I got in touch with her and I was 10 weeks and um, I said um, there was no – I just I wanted to ask questions and I, you know, essentially um, wanted to just obviously get like some feelers for, you know, how I was feeling because I still had that um, – um, fear in the back of my mind of what if something goes wrong at 38, 39 weeks. Mm. Um, I had a lot of inner work to do with that. If this baby's, I knew this baby was going to be born at home, but in order to do that, I had a lot of inner work that I needed to do to get over that fear. Um, I really needed to tune into my body and just trust, um, trust my body. That was my big, big keyword I guess you could say for this pregnancy so yeah I had just going back to when I was 10 weeks I had chatted to this midwife and said you know what are what are your thoughts on you know given that I'm deemed high risk and um and she said well who's saying who's saying you're high risk and I said, well, the hospital system of course saying I'm high risk and, and because I've had a small baby and I've had a big baby um, they, you know, they will, if I was to go with the hospital home birth program, because that had run through my mind, said they, they'll want me to do extra scans and, and tests. And, um, I, I didn't want that. And so she left me with a few things to think about. There was a couple of other midwives that I wanted to chat to and I'd asked her about them and, um, she said, you know, you go away and you talk to those midwives and she said, you you got to interview them, you've got to ask questions and how they align with you and um, and I did that. And I ended up deciding that I was going to birth through the Casey Home Birth Program. I had to jump, th- yeah, so I, I said to myself, okay, well, the, the home birth, I had, did have a girlfriend that had birthed through them and she had a great experience and um I said, all right, let's, I'm going to birth with the Casey Home Birth Program if I can get in because obviously I had that, those risks hanging over me. Um, and then lo and behold, they were happy for me to, um, to assign a midwife to me um, to birth at home on the condition that I have a scan, scans, extra scans at like 26 I think 32 and 36 weeks and um, 
because they they said to me, because you've had a small baby and because you've had a big baby, we know that you can, you know, grow a baby perfectly, but we just want to check in on the growth and we'll want to monitor your blood pressure um, a little bit more. And um, I just went, oh, like I said, like, do I have to? And um, they said, well, in order to stay in the home birth program, then yes, you do. And I just, I went along with it and I got to like 22 weeks and um, uh, then I started thinking about, you know, the gestational diabetes test and how I really did not like doing that for the two previous pregnancies. And um, I had a, I had to do a Zoom um, telehealth, sorry, appointment with an OB and he was then, that was another loophole essentially, loophole that I had to jump through for him to go, yes, okay, um, but you will need to do these tests and you'll need to do the GT test. And, um, you know, I said to him, well, what if I don't do this GT test? Because I really, I didn't like doing that test. I felt really sick from doing the test and, from my own research of doing it, I feel that it's a, um, you know, unrealistic test that gives unrealistic results for women. Um, and she said, well, if you don't do it, you can't birth in the Casey Home Birth Program. So to cut a long story short, I closed the door on the Casey Home Birth Program and I sent a text message to this um, midwife and um I said, basically said to her, do you have availability for January? And um, I think I feel like it was meant to be with with this midwife because she was talking to my girlfriend that had birth with her, with her second, when I sent that text message and she had just asked her, how is Yana doing? Yeah. Um, I haven't heard from her and... Um, and at that moment, she had just got a message from me. And, um, like, I just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, how trippy is that? Mm-hmm. Um, but also I had been reading, it was it was um, a fictional book. Um, the book was called The German Midwife. No joke, that was the title. It was about, it was about a midwife that, um, you know, worked in um, uh, Germany in World War Two, And this was very much when I was, you know, contemplating on um going oh do I do I go with this midwife and then after I sent her that message and she phoned me up and um she said no joke I was just talking talking to your your friend and I'd asked about you and I and you messaged me and I said to her that is my answer this is so meant to be like I feel like I was just looking for signs to you know to tell me um you know this she was she was my midwife and there was no turning back. Um, she came over. I met her in person, and um, and my girls met her. And um, oh, like just as soon as she walked in the door, I knew that I was um in the right hands, and that this was all going to be smooth sailing from from now on. Mm. And um, so beautiful. And how was the rest of was, that pregnancy? Yeah, hard, hard. It was my hardest pregnancy. And I kind of questioned, is it because he was a boy? I I didn't know that it was a boy until 
probably the last two days of my pregnancy that I had a really big inkling. Um, yeah, I didn't get any kind of girl boy vibes, but it was the um, physically demanding pregnancy. Um, I had that pubic symphysis pain, that pubic bone pain for all three, but it was like worse they do say that it gets worse with subsequent pregnancies and it was excruciating Mm. um yes so physically demanding it was third trimester through summer and although the summer that we you know that we just had was pretty mild um I was just constantly hot and then I you know had a five-year-old and uh uh, two and a half year old as well. Um, wow. Yeah. But yeah, and also, um, like I said earlier, I had a lot of inner work to do, and um, my midwife really helped me um, work through that. Just, I guess, asked me a lot of questions that um, had me go away and do the, the inner work myself. Like she didn't do the inner work for me. I It had to come from me. That was my my biggest thing and why I just, when people talk about, you know, an empowered pregnancy, empowered birth experience or that, I, I'm such a big believer that that empowerment, yeah, like it has to come from the woman herself. Like the woman has to take that power, like control of that and, and, and do that herself doesn't come from anywhere else it comes from within and and um she was a very big believer in that and um yeah she had she asked me questions that I had to go away and really reflect on um about um you know there's something going wrong that fear um that I was like I bought myself a blood pressure machine and I kind of wish I hadn't but at the same time it also reassured me every time I checked it um, that all was all was okay, and um, you know, and she was asking me a lot of whys, why I had that fear, and what I could do to um, work through it. And yeah, at the rest of the pregnancy, although you know, physically demanding, and yeah, towards the end, I was I was very much ready to birth this baby. And um, yeah, heading into labour, how did things get started for you? Mm-hmm. So it was um, New Year's New Year's Day, like 2 a.m., and I uh, woke up like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a New Year's Day baby. <laughs> and um, the last few days were really, um, oh, that was so, so hard. It was, yeah, so it was the last day of 2020, and I had this whole thing about not having a 2020 baby. And um, it's like, can you be a 2021 baby? It's such a stigma with 2020. And and um, and then I remember waking up just after midnight, uh, after the clock ticked over, and it was yeah, it was about one or two o'clock, and I just felt um, some crampiness again. I knew that feeling, and um, I said, oh my goodness, this baby really did hang <laughs> on till 2021. And um, I, yeah, just kind of laid in bed and it was kind of, it was definitely waves just coming and going. But it fizzled out at about six o'clock and um, that was um, different. (laughs) Um, 
I thought, mm, surely. Um, and I woke up and, <coughs> yeah, I've just kind of went on about my day waddling around the house. I was in a sweat because it was warm. <laughs> I felt like I was in a constant sweat in the last few weeks, constantly like just, you know, not wanting to wear clothes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then... Because of that, um, <laughs> we actually didn't even have the birth pool set up. So the next thing, he's down at Bunnings getting these charts and drop sheets <laughs> and going to the pet shop to get those puppy oh, yeah, blueies. <laughs> the blueies. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a funny story. They're like, oh, um, you know, we, they come in like packs of 50 and, and 100 and, He's like, no, I'll just get the 10-pack. And and the guy that was serving him was like, oh, you're going to train your puppy really quickly then? Yeah. <laughs> he just laughed, um, not saying that it was for his wife that was having a baby at home. But, um, anyway, um, so, yeah, he came back with all the things and there was a lot of excitement in, in like, in the air in our house. The energy had really shifted to um, this baby was coming soon, and I, even though I was like it had fizzled out, and but um yeah the the girls helped Pete blow up the birth pool, and we yeah just it was that day was really about just creating this the, the birth space, um, and I had pictured you know going back and saying that I knew this baby was going to be born at home and. I was standing in my living room going, this baby's going to be born right here um, in this in the living room. But um, my midwife had, um, had me kind of go away and, and reflect about my two previous births with the girls and how I was in a dark space. I was in a very intimate space and the room was very small. And she said, our house is very quite open plan, open living and the living room was very bright. It's very bright and very big kind of open space. And she said, oh, um, you know, maybe you might want to think about birthing your baby in the bedroom. And I kind of went, oh, yeah, like that's a really good good idea. And um, um, went away with that thought. And then, yeah, I, just, I ended up setting up and creating a beautiful birth space in our bedroom, which was where Silas was conceived. Um, so where he was conceived was, yeah, where he was born and we set up the birth pool and I had my, um, Olive, she did these beautiful, um, um, colouring-ins, um, of, um, you know, mums birthing their babies and holding their babies. She coloured them all in and we stuck them up on the wall and I had these really lovely, um, affirmation cards stuck up and, the girls put lights, fairy lights up, and it was ready. The space was ready for this baby to come. And then I had another night the next night. It was very similar to what happened the previous night. Um, again, it was like 3 in the morning, and this time I messaged my new wife. I messaged my birth photographer. I was like, I think things are happening. And, um, nope, they fizzled out again, and it was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm so ready to meet this baby. I didn't ever have this feeling with the last two pregnancies. Again, a whole nother day of um, just 
yeah, my body was just getting ready, preparing. The the next day, <clears throat> I messaged um, my friend Belle, who does the acupuncture, and because um, I was feeling so heavy in my pelvis, I was so achy, and she's like, I can come over and I can do some um, some acu- acupuncture for you to help you know relieve it a little bit. Um, she came over and she did some massage for me. It was about nine o'clock and um, 9 p.m. And she um, was having like a you know, good feel around my pelvis and she's like, she looked at me and she said, Yana, you were so close. Like she could just tell with looking at me and how I was feeling and obviously feeling around. She said, this baby's like so close. And um yeah, she did some um, acupuncture for me and some massage and, and then she left left me in the room, left the points in, the needles in, and um, she was, went to chat to hubby and um, just, yeah, sat on the bed and um, I could definitely feel things were um, warming up again. Um, I was feeling crampy. I was just laying on the bed in... Oh, it was heaven, indie. It was like I just had my acupuncture in. I was listening to my music, and in, I was in this really just beautiful space of um, it's you know I'm going to meet my baby soon, and I was getting really excited. I was still feeling really achy, <laughs> um, but starting to really tune in again and, and go go deep and. Um, uh, she, she took the needles out and um, it was like 11 o'clock now and um, we were there and <laughs> we were having something to eat and I was like leaning on the bench starting to feel like <laughs> things started to get re- like I was feeling really crampy <laughs> and um, they were coming and going in waves and I didn't really say anything to her. I think that she could tell that she left and I said, yeah, you might. Like I said, you sure don't want to stay overnight? <laughs> She's like, no, I was like, I'll go home and then you just let me know. And um, she left and probably I reckon an hour later um, hubby got the football out for me and I was bouncing on that foot, foot, football and um, he was, yeah, massaging me and I had my diffuser on with my oils and as soon as he turned on that music, the playlist, it's the same playlist that I had with Olive. I called it Labor Day on my Spotify. Um, but I had added songs to it throughout you know, the other two pregnancies as soon as he turned that on. And I just knew that this was this was it. And it was setting in and it was not going to fizzle out. And, um, yeah, that was starting to get a little bit more intense. And um, it would have been like just after midnight that I messaged the midwife and... Um, messaged my birth photographer, I messaged Belle back again and um, they were about five minutes apart, the, the waves, the contractions, and um, she said, oh, we'll wait till, I'll wait till they're like three or four minutes and then they, yeah, didn't take very long until Pete was calling her again and um, I just, again, I was in my bedroom, the girls were asleep, I just shut the door and sat on the birth pool. I had a heat pack and um, I just surrendered to 
what was happening. Um, in my head, I was also so excited. I was like, this is it. And I'm at home and I'm not going anywhere. And this baby's going to be born right here. And yeah, not once, not once was there a single bit of fear over something going wrong. Like I just, that had just released from me. Mm. Um, and then midwife arrived and sitting on the birth ball <laughs> she checked in she checked baby and hubby it was all fine and um I feel like there was a slight shift in like just the energy that was in that room because birth dog arrived midwife arrived and then Belle arrived and I was like I think I kind of came out of that um that frame of mind that space and was really excited to have all these people here and I just you know came back out if that makes sense and midwife said to me do you know what you need to do to get things going again because I was still happily having like a conversation between contractions and she knew that it um things had slowed down because of that Mm. and um like they were still very much intense like bigger than and stronger than when they had fizzled out, it was definitely kicking in, but they did slow down once um, I had a few extra people there. And I, I guess you could say it was slightly disrupted, but I just had to refocus. And she looked at me and she said, you know what, you need to do to get things going again. She said, you're, you're too comfortable sitting on that fit ball. <laughs> so I said, I know, mm-hmm. I know I am. <laughs> and she said, maybe you should try standing up. And I'm like, no, because I know things will intensify. (laughs) And she's like, well, there's your answer. And, yes, so we got rid of the – well, we didn't get rid of the football, fit ball, calling it football, sorry, fit ball. And um, Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to be a bit more active and um, not that we were trying to speed things along along at all. Um, We popped the fit ball up on the bed. And um, my friend Belle, she um, she gave me these um, beautiful this, um, birthing blend oils, and um, <laughs> it's so funny because I think the room was really warm. It was obviously summer; we didn't even have heating on or anything. But um, hubby was obviously working up a bit of a sweat, kind of you know working with me and going in and out of the room with the heat pack, and I could smell his scent, and I was a bit turned off by that um I was like oh it's like Pete like you, you stink and um <laughs> I just laugh about it now but um Belle my friend made up this beautiful birthing blend of oils and um just kind of popped that in my hand and popped it like and like put it on the towel over the fitball and I was standing and leaning over it and just inhaling that and that felt amazing <laughs> to not smell, not smell my yes, to mask my husband's scent. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, like it was definitely as soon as I stood up, I just had, oh, man, one of the biggest, strongest, wa- strongest wave. And, uh, oh, yeah, things had definitely kicked in again. And, um I said, all right, I think it's time I want to get into this pool. And it was filled to the brim and I climbed in and it wasn't long till I felt 
just that I needed to bear down. And this was one thing that I had chatted to my midwife with, with Zippy's birth was that I feel like I pushed too hard. I, I didn't have anyone actually like guiding me with the like pushing, like I just really just gave it my all and I could have paced it out a bit and, and you know, breathed it a bit better in order to prevent the, the tear that I had. Mm. And so this was something that I discussed with my midwife about um, wanting to not necessarily be guided but um, not so much just like, you know, um, uh, what's the word, just give it my all. Like I wanted to pace that out a bit um, and just listen to like, you know, obviously to follow the contractions and listen to my body and breathe through that a bit better than I did with Zippy's birth. Um, and, yeah, so it wasn't long after that I felt like I needed to, after I got in the pool, I felt like I needed to bear, bear down and I looked at Pete and I was holding him. I had my hands like out of the pool just holding him and um, he just, his, you know, words of encouragement He's so great. He's so great. It's like reflecting back to all three of them now. I, I called him my, my doodler. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, yeah, really supportive of all of this. And um, I said, I think we need to go and wake up the girls because um, it was obviously in the middle. It was, well, it was 3.30 now in the morning, almost. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. And he said, do you want to just wake up Olive. So I was re- I was in two minds about having Zippy there depending on what time of day it was. I said if it's through the night we probably won't wake her um, given that we would probably we would pay for it the next day mm-hmm. and that I said she's not going to remember it and I was also I was a little bit anxious as well with how she would be in that space with me and just seeing me like you know um, seeing me and in pain um so I said okay we'll just wake Olive and we'll get Zippy up just after Bub's born so that was the plan and um so my friend Belle went and woke up Olive and quickly scooped her up out of bed (laughs) poor thing she was so frazzled like but the thing was all week Olive had been saying to me mum like it occurred to her that this baby could be born at night when she's asleep and she said mum what if the baby's born at night you'll wake me yeah and I said, yes, Olive, we'll wake you. Like, you're, you're going to be there. Don't worry. So I couldn't not wake her. Like, couldn't not have her there. So um, we, yeah, Belle got her up, had a bed, and she came in, like, half asleep and was, but was also, like, half asleep but also, like, oh, wow, like, you know, mum's in the birth pool and she was there holding my hand as well. And I look back at some of the photos of my birth photos and I could just see her face. She was just in total awe of what was going on. Like she was so quiet and didn't say a word, just holding my hand for those those last final moments of um of birthing the little Silas and he um I got the the what's it called the um, that ejection, the fetal ejection reflex, is that what they call yeah, it? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I very much had that with Olive. Like it was just there was just no stopping this baby. I feel like I didn't need to push. Yeah. This baby was just 
like Silas was just coming, he was coming out whether I pushed or mm. not. And like I was bearing down but I wasn't necessarily pushing. Like I could just feel his head like there and I could feel it, you know, go back up and come back down. But I, I don't know, like I was just bearing down. I wasn't necessarily pushing and I was just working with my body for, you know, in, for that to happen. And, um, yeah, and I, yeah, was just in, mm. in the beautiful warm water and his head emerged. I remember feeling it was like I do, I look back at the, there's a video that I have and I was saying this is so hard. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was some really, really intense surges um, that came to, to get him out. But, um, yeah, kept bearing down and his head emerged and, um yeah, not long after his head emerged, his head just kind of sat there for a bit and I reached down and felt felt my baby and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's got lots of hair. It's It's got lots of hair. <laughs> and um, not long after, um, a minute or two, the rest of him came up and, again, I didn't know as a boy, but, um, yeah, came up straight, straight onto my chest and... Um, I remember I just, again, I burst into tears and I looked at Pete and I said, we did it. And um, and I said, I did it, we did it. And I, I was in so much shock and just that big wave of oxytocin that just came over me. And, um, and I looked down and I saw it was a boy and I was like, oh, my gosh, I knew it was a boy. <laughs> The last two days I knew it and I, I looked at Olive and I said, do you have a brother? And I looked at Pete and I said, we have a son. And he was just crying. And, again, I remember the song that was playing. Um, it was that Every Breath You Take yeah. song. And um, it was so It was just such a beautiful, beautiful moment. Mm. And, um, yeah, he... Um, <laughs> he had the cord like at the back of his neck. So um, <clears throat> to be um, <laughs> midwife helped me kind of unravel him a little bit and he got um, <laughs> it's just uh, slipped out of my hands, like just part of him slipped out of my hands but when he got re-dunked in the water and he was fine. Um, so, yeah, a bit of like coughing and spluttering and um all as well, and yeah, there I was with a little boy in my in my arms, and it just felt so surreal. <laughs> and so, so um, yeah. did, were you able to get the natural third stage that you were really hoping for? My midwife was; she had full confidence in me that um, I was able to um, birth birth the placenta naturally, and. Um, yeah, I had Belle there that was going to help me, but um, she didn't need to in the end. I hopped out of the birth pool after I think, I think it was like 20-ish minutes, 20 to 25 minutes, and um, hopped up onto onto the bed and we had just the bowl there and um, I sat on the edge of the bed 
and I could feel like another like oh like another contraction and I was like oh it's right there I can feel it and she said just give a little push and out it came like it was so just (laughs) it seemed to be way too too simple and and um yeah like we spoke about that after the birth and she said how important the environment is for that placenta to just attach itself and to um to come out and you know, like reflecting back on the, my previous two hospital births I can definitely see that how um how the environment and you know just those those hormones those ox- that oxytocin just continually flowing um and not be disrupted and not have, you know, a midwife hovering over me, looking at the time and, um, you know, saying you've got X amount of time to um, for it to happen. So I was really chuffed that um, that I was able to do it third time lucky. Mm, so amazing. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, yeah, was everything after the birth quite straightforward? pretty straightforward it was it was amazing indeed just to like again it felt so surreal to just crawl into bed and um at this stage we'd woken up zippy as well so she joined us in the bedroom or we were all just piled in our bed yeah and he fed pretty not much like not long after I kind of you know got comfortable in bed he was um you know kind of nuzzling at at my breast and um Feeding was had came with its challenges um, in terms of um, just how sore I was for a lot longer than I was with the girls. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story today. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. You're so welcome, Indy. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode with Yana. You can find her on Instagram at Yana Woodhouse Birth and Babies. That's all one word. Or you can visit her website, which is yanawoodhouse.com. And there's links to all of those in my website as well. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Mm-hmm.